every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host. Bryce Dunn. And yes, the Bundesliga has finally returned after the winter break. So let's go over the weekend's results. So starting off on Friday night, we've seen Hoffenheim lose, unfortunately, 3-1 to Bayern. But it meant that Bayern are keeping up with uh, Borussia Dortmund at the top there, only six points. Going into Saturday, we've seen Stuttgart 2, Mainz 3, Frankfurt 3, Freiburg 1, Hanover 0, Werner Bremen 1, Augsburg 1, Fortuna Dusseldorf 2, Bayer Leverkusen 0, Borussia Mönchengladbach 1. The late kickoff game, yes, seen Dortmund still 6 points clear, as I just mentioned, as they beat away from home RB Leipzig. Sunday, seen Nuremberg 1, Hertha Berlin 3, Schalke 2, and Wolfsburg 1. So, guys, we're back. And when I say guys, I mean Manu Vett. Um, Let's welcome you on. Have you missed the Bundesliga? Yeah, indeed I have. Um, and I'm happy it's back, you know, it's just to, to have that Friday game to kick it off of that and then lots of action Saturday, Sunday. It's just, yeah, it's just really nice to have it back. It's been too long. Been too long. Oh, yes, it has. And joining Manu and I, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? I've been very good, Bryce. Thank you. I'm glad the football's back. I mean, Manu and I have chatted, um, outside of this pod about this but it seems like it's been a massively long winter break um and actually in reality it's been shorter than normal so um yeah glad it's back and yeah the football was great over the weekend and long may that continue until may yes indeed it seems like christmas was ages ago never mind the bundesliga so um well we've got someone rather special to join us um as we've come back into the uh, the football season and that's ronan murphy of goal.com. Uh, Ronan, thank you very much for taking the time out. We know you've got a very demanding um, time at the moment. Um, welcome on to the Gig and Pressing podcast. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, so uh, for anyone that um, may not know who you are, Ronan, um, or what goal.com is, I don't know how that's possible if you're into football and you know what the internet is, uh, but uh, explain a little bit um, about yourself. So you cover the Bundesliga. Um, you're originally from Ireland. How did this all happen? Um, when I was, I suppose, when I was growing up, we had a certain amount of channels on the television, and one of them was Eurosport, and there was always German football on it. And I suppose I got into it then at, at a young age, and it 
probably helped that my father, he used to, to live in Germany for a couple of years in Heilbronn. So he, he kind of influenced me. He had a kind of a, a German influence on me, I suppose, because he, he speaks German and all that sort of stuff. So I, he went to the, the World Cup back in the 70s in Germany. So that, that kind of gave me an interest in German football, maybe that regular Irish people wouldn't have. Ah, yes, I suppose that that's very true. And Ronan, was there a side that you particularly enjoyed watching growing up, or is there a team that you support? There isn't actually, and I, I think maybe that gives me a, a better kind of view of things. The fact that I don't have a particular allegiance to a club, I, I supported Aston Villa in the Premier League growing up because of all the Irish players that that played there. But I kind of grew out of touch as I got older. I realised well, I don't really have any connection to this club. It's only because. Steve Staunton and Andy Townsend and Ray Houghton and all the lads used to play there. So I I don't really support anyone these days apart from the Irish football team. But that kind of has made me go balder a lot quicker than I would have hoped. Yes, indeed. Um, but, you know, it means that any victory at all for Northern Ireland or the Republic of Ireland, then, you know, we, we see that as a massive occasion, I suppose. I'm, I'm trying to look at the upside. Anyway, we're going to speak about German football rather than um, Irish football, thankfully. Um, Manu, a, a man that's been in the press quite a lot, well, I was going to say this month being January, the January transfer window, but actually he, he's in every transfer window. Is that Timo Werner? He, he's been linked to many clubs, but he's, especially Bayern Munich at, at the moment. But is there actually anything to this rumour? To say there isn't anything to that rumor, um, you, you know, he's, he's, he's a top striker. Um, I think when you, when you, when you read between the lines of what has been said, um, by anyone but Bayern, um, who have been very aggressive talking about other transfer targets, um, in, in this window in particular, I think it's quite clear that there is an interest. Um, Watzke's comments, right? I'm pretty sure Chris will talk about that in a moment. Um, then of course, Rangnick's comments from yesterday where he said to Sky DA that, um, if Bayern ever, if Bayern ever gets serious about anything financially, they'll usually get who they want. Um, so yes, there is, there is an interest. Um, but at the same time, there is also an, an unsureness, um, in the Bayern camp on whether they, they really need him. Um, while on the other hand, they don't want to make the same mistake as they have with Leroy Sané, where they said, okay, well, we don't really need him, and then they let him go, and now they actually realize, okay, well, this is, could have been a transfer that in retrospect we should have probably made. Um, so there is that kind of back and forth. It's, it's a very, it's, it seems like that it's almost like that everyone else but Bayern are pushing for this. Um, which of course does not mean that Bayern will not get him in the end, because, you know, if they're usually young German national team player, a striker, Lewandowski's 31. If they are really going to go serious about it, they will get it done. And that's, that's really where Bayern stand on this. Chris, uh, I mean, we want to go to you on this. Obviously, you, you wrote a fantastic article for the, the Football Grand Network. Um, and also, <laughs> you, me, Manu, we, we've spoken many a times about how many times you get asked by Liverpool fans when he's going to arrive at Anfield. Um, what should, what do you feel the lowdown is? Do, do you think there's any likelihood to him moving in January, the summer, and where could he possibly be going? Well, thanks very much for saying that. It was an excellent article. It's very nice of you, Bryce. Um, yeah, I mean, that's online at the moment at footballscout.com, and I took a look at who's really interested in him. Obviously, Bayern are, and 
they have kept a bit of a distance, as Manu said. But if you think back to last season when Jupp Heinkers was in charge, he did say that uh, Werner's a, a player they should think about signing. And he went as far as saying they probably should have already done it. But if we're looking at the rest of Europe, um, obviously Liverpool are heavily linked. Um, and it's been widely reported that Liverpool are interested. And um, that's by some journalists very, very well connected to the club. David Lynch of the um, Evening Standard obviously used to work in the Liverpool media team. Um, he's reported that Liverpool are interested. So I think if he's reporting it, he can take it as a given. Um, also, it's um, come out in Sport Build saying that um, Liverpool are heavily monitoring um, Werner's situation. And that's obviously key for Liverpool because they should have two strikers leaving a summer, Divock Origi and Daniel Sturridge. They should definitely be going. Um, that will leave a space open um, for a striker, an out-and-out striker. Liverpool don't have one at the moment. So, um, yeah, I think Liverpool's interest is real. Um, whether Timo Werner wants to go to the Premier League and play for Liverpool, you know, that's a, a different thing. Um, Liverpool have been very good over the last couple of transfer windows about getting the targets that they want. You know, they only missed one, which was Nabil Fakir, and um, all the reports say that Liverpool walked away from that. So they didn't lose that um, player they went after. And then, of course, uh, Manu mentioned um, Borussia Dortmund interested. But then, as Vasquez said the other day, that um, he's got the impression that one of the two players that they're keen on has already made his decision and, and it's not going to be with Borussia Dortmund. So everybody assumed that was Timo Werner. Now it could also be Thorgan Hazard, but I doubt it. So I would say that um, maybe Werner and Bayern look like a... I mean, done deal is such a hard word to say, isn't it? But, I mean, if you look at Goretzka, Pavard, oh, yeah, we're not going to buy, I'm not really sure. It was it was done. It was just when it was going to be announced. Um, and then uh, Tottenham Hotspur sending scouts um, left, right and centre to follow Leipzig. Um, so they're obviously interested. And there's been reports in the Spanish press that Real Madrid are interested. So there's a lot of interested um, parties out there but I think that's because he's such a good footballer but for me Bryce if you're going to ask me um, who do where do I think he's going to go I, I do honestly think it'll be between Bayern Munich and Liverpool Ronan if, if we just go to you to, to get your take on it all as well I mean where do you see uh, Timo Werner possibly uh, ending up or, or do, you, do you see him maybe staying on at RB Leipzig I mean where's best for maybe him as well yeah I think I'd agree with Chris there that perhaps Bayern Munich probably are the, are the best choice for him and maybe he might get the best opportunity there. I know people have been saying any time I've mentioned it on Twitter, people have replied and said, well, they have Robert Lewandowski. How is he going to get a game? But if you look, Lewandowski is going to be 31 at the start of next season. So it's it's not like he's going to be around at Bayern forever. And even if he, he doesn't leave like all the, the previous summers with the rumours to Real Madrid and all that, even if he stays on for a few years, You'd imagine Bayern have to be looking at maybe some sort of succession plan for Lewandowski because they don't want to him to turn around in a year or two and say he's retiring and this is the, this is the end of me. Maybe I'm going off to get some money in China or money in America or something. And then they don't have anyone in place. Whereas if they signed Timo Werner, he would be the perfect player for them. The only thing is maybe he won't, won't score against Borussia Dortmund because he, he still hasn't done it for Leipzig. So maybe that that might be the one flaw in in that plan yes indeed um I, do you think that i mean, I mean there's, there's some articles saying at the moment running that you know rb leipzig are putting a bit of pressure on timo werner to sign a contract is that because they're a little bit concerned that 
you know, they they basically want to get their, their as much money as they possibly can out of such a deal. Yeah, exactly. I I, I think Ralph Ragnick and some of the st- some of the staff there at RB Leipzig have said that they don't really want him to go into the last year of his contract. A bit like Tarvin Hazard, probably push Munch and Gladbach. They don't want to ha- to have him in the last year and maybe lose him for free in the summer of twenty twenty. And if you're looking at maybe getting forty million plus for him this summer, you kind of have to take that. Ra- and not have him for the year and hope you can find a player in this summer rather than waiting until next summer and having no money to play with. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. I mean, Chris, uh, what type of figures are knocking around with uh, with Timo Werner at the moment? Oh, well, it's a buyer's market, I suppose, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, quite similar thought process to, um, to Ronan there. Once he goes into the last year of his contract, I don't think we're going to see some sort of silly money. Um, if he was to go, or let's say he was to sign a contract extension with Leipzig and, and say, okay, I'll stay for another year, then I think we could expect some serious bids for him. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go for anything maybe less than what um, Christian Pulisic went for. So it may, maybe around about 60 million euros. He's an exceptional player, but um, Leipzig if they get to the summer and and it's not been started uh, it's not been sorted they've already let everybody know that they won't let him enter that final year so all of a sudden anybody who wants to buy him will be able to say well you know uh, we'll just wait to get him for free so i think it is a little bit of a buyer's market here and when i was writing that article um you know the contacts we've got on the football grub network do realize that Timo Werner would be happy to stay because he is quite keen um, and interested to work with Julian Nagelsmann. But if there's no Euro- you know, Europa League or Champions League football, people close to the player have said he won't stay because he wants to play. You know, he got a taste of it um, in the, the picture he used in the articles in scoring against um, Monaco. So he's used to scoring in the Champions League, used to playing in the Europa League. And maybe that's the only thing that might stop him not staying at Leipzig is a lack of European football, but he's, he's very um, he's very keen and he, and he wants to get on and he wants to play at the highest level. So I, I can see him moving because whilst Leipzig are a great, great club, they're still not in that bracket that Borussia Dortmund and certainly Bayern Munich are in. And then if he wants to, if he wants to elevate his brand and his image rights, then a move to the Premier League would obviously do that. Yes, indeed. Well, as a Liverpool fan, I suppose I would have to admit, I'd be rather excited if he, if he turned up for us uh, next season. But let's just see what happens with this. It could be a bit of a long, drawn-out one, I feel. Um, we're going to go back to you, and run around on some other big news that happened. But to come out of the Premier League, and that was that uh, David Wagner left Huddersfield Town. Unfortunately, this season, things haven't really gone to plan for them. They, they are rooted to the bottom of the table. Um, I, you know, Personally, I, I think he's done a fantastic job there to get a side that were so lowly in the championship, um, then promoted uh, through the playoffs, and then to keep them in the Premier League. Uh, I mean, do, does this mean that, you know, with, with him leaving Huddersfield, that there's going to be Bundesliga teams um, in the future when they need new coaches are going to be knocking on his door? You would imagine so. If he makes himself available for those sorts of jobs, then I definitely think that he can walk into maybe a top half team in, in the Bundesliga and maybe manage a, a team that have European ambitions or a team that are already in Europe. I don't see why not because I think Jurgen Klopp came out after Wagner stepped down and said that 
it's only once he's gone the the Huddersfield Town fans and the f- f- football fans in general will see how good a job he really did. he really did at Huddersfield, and I think maybe that's what will happen now under the, the next manager. It's, it's going to be a difficult job because Huddersfield don't have a, a brilliant squad, but Wagner did excellently while he was there. Yeah, you get the impression that he kind of hit their ceiling, didn't he? Um, with little cash and maybe not the strongest of squads, uh, Ronan. I mean, just to, to maybe look at the Bundesliga sides that we've got, I mean, is there any teams in particular, whether they need a coach or not, that you kind of think you know, would be the right place for, for David Wagner? Um, I suppose if you're looking at teams, maybe where managers under pressure at the moment, you could look at Schalke Tedesco kind of t- turn things around. Maybe he he doesn't have that long left, and if there is a job like that that comes up, you would think that he'll be his name will definitely be one of the rumored names to take over. So I, I think somewhere like that might work for him. I know it's a, it's a different tactical style because it's it's a different approach, and maybe he w- would have done at Huddersfield and. They would perhaps be more attacking, but I, I would have no doubts about his ability to take on that role and maybe actually get some of their strikers scoring some goals. Yes, indeed, it would be quite the change from uh, the Tedesco times. Eh? Um, Manu, just to bring you into this as well, is, is there any sides in, in the Bundesliga you think you might be a right fit for David Wagner and his, his style of football? Uh, Chris is probably going to throw up his arms on this one, but I think Stuttgart, um, I think... You know, the way they've been playing under Weinzierl, that coaching change has done almost nothing for them. And, um, Schalke has shown some signs for me that they, they might be able to turn things around. A big result for them. And we'll get to talk about that in a little bit on the weekend, right? But for me, they, they maybe they can turn things around a little bit. Um, and the big link between Schalke and, Wagner is, of course, uh, Christian Heidel, the sporting director. Now, there's talks that if Schalke do not turn around, it wouldn't be just Tedesco that would leave. It would also be Heidel. So I don't know where that would leave any kind of future for David Wagner, right? Um, if one mind's connection is gone, will it be still possible to get him in? That remains to be seen. So I, I think Stuttgart could be, could be a good bet because they are a big club that just can, cannot find that fit. Um, in management that, that got that person that can just steer them clear. And maybe David Wagner can do this. I mean, he worked under very difficult circumstances in Huddersfield. And, um, if you, I think the, the way he managed the situation there, the way he got him back to the way he got him to the Premier League. Sorry. Um, I think that could maybe work in Stuttgart as well. Um, Chris, I mean, if, if we speak to you a little bit about this as well, um, uh... I mean, what, what about the likes of uh, a side like Hoffenheim? Where would would that be too small, Fry, for for Wagner, or, or would that be a good fit? Well, I wouldn't say Hoffenheim are small, Fry. Then they're a, you know very good side, um, top six side. They made or Julian Nagelsmann has made them into a top six side now. Um, I think Hoffenheim would be a great fit for him. Whether well, um, more more meaning if maybe he's got his his eyes set quite high at the moment. I think I think. Um, Offenheim would be a good fit for him. It's whether um, Marco Rose has already agreed to go in there. I mean, that's the, the story that we're hearing is that he's pretty much nailed on to go in there. Now, whether that's true or not, um, I think he would do well maybe at one of the clubs that comes up, either Hamburg or Cologne. They look like they're going to get promoted. Um, and whilst Hamburg have got Hannes Wolf, they have got a, a tendency to... Um, chop and change their managers sometimes with surprise so 
Um, he could do that, or maybe he could go and even take a Bundesliga two side like Ingolstadt and, and take them up again. But uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't see him walking into a, a top three side, uh, but I could see, like Ronan said, a top half team in a Bundesliga. And I think he'd do very, very well because um, he plays a, a similar style of football than, than what we see throughout the Bundesliga. High press, fast football, quick transition. I think he'd, he'd fit a number of sides. Um, and, and yeah, obviously he left Huddersfield by mutual consent and, and Huddersfield came out and said, and there's a very, very good statement that says this is actually mutual consent. It's not, and you read that, you know, Mourinho left United by mutual consent. It's a sacking. But this didn't happen with um, David Wagner. He needed a break. And as we've seen before, maybe six month break for him. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in management next season. And you're quite right when you said the Huddersfield glass ceiling. I spoke to him, I think it was around about this time last year. It was I think it was a Manchester City, so that would have been the Champions League quarterfinal at Anfield. I was lucky enough to be sat next to him. He was on the desk next to me in the press box, and I had a good chat with him and said, you know, are we going to see you in a Bundesliga next year? And and his answer was, well, no, no, I've got a job to do at Huddersfield. I'm fully uh, you know, committed to that. That's all I'm looking at. Um, I, I personally would have thought he would have moved on in the summer because getting them promoted and keeping them there, that for me was their ceiling. But... Obviously, he's gone into this campaign and and you know left halfway through, but I can definitely see him coming back into Bundesliga in in the summer. And just before we go to um, Ronan um, about the uh, title race, we want to speak to him a little bit before he he has to go. Um, Chris, what do we know about the man replacing him at Huddersfield? Uh, Jan Siebert, um, coming from Borussia Dortmund, you know the their coaching facility. I, I, I mean. They just seem to churn out coaches, you know, that go into management these days, don't they? Yeah, now whether David Wagner has, has said, look, you might want to look at Jan as, as a potential replacement, but Ronan did, um, Ronan made a very good comment on Twitter earlier. Are they just looking for the next David Wagner? He's not done particularly well at Borussia Dortmund too. Um, he's not got a reputation of, of bringing talent through and, and develop them in, in the same sort of way that Wagner did. So, I mean, I would I would go to you, Ronan, and say I mean I'm I'm of the opinion they're they're just trying to find um, David Wagner Mark II on this and 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 maybe it's going to be the wrong appointment for him. Yeah, I think possibly that could be it. Perhaps it's not the right fit for a a coach that a young coach like like Saver, where he's has respect in certain German circles for helping develop young players, but he hasn't really done that in the the two years he's been in. With Borussia Dortmund, the, the players that have come through to the senior team are players that probably would have came through anyway. You can't really say that he was talking for Jaden Sancho or anything like that. He he played two or three games for him and then was moved on. But he was always going to be he was always going to kind of catapult into the first team after riding to Man City. So yeah, I'm not sure it's the right kind of appointment for Huddersfield because they need maybe a win now manager or someone with that is more pragmatic and has an approach of We'll pick up every point we have, whereas I don't think a medium plan manager is the answer for them, and that's what they've said in their statements that they're looking at at years down the line that this isn't just a stopgap appointment, but perhaps when you're trying to establish yourself as a regular Premier League team year on year, you might need that kind of manager to begin with, and then you can begin to look further down down the field. So I'm not sure. I know I've annoyed some some Borussia Dortmund people on, on Twitter by saying. He isn't the right choice for it, or perhaps he 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 doesn't have the experience for it. But uh, I think only time will tell. But 
it doesn't look positive at the moment for the long term anyway. Yeah, you do have to say, don't you, that possibly bringing in one of these old English managers that continually seem to get jobs, you know, maybe maybe we're not you know, saying that, but um, to take a, a, a gamble, you know, on, on another coach like this and giving him a job, it's, it, it, well, it is a gamble, isn't it? It's, it's a bit of a tricky one. Hopefully it pays off for Huddersfield and uh, Seavert, but... Let's uh, keep a little eye on that one, see how it, it goes the rest of the season. Ronan, we, we know that you haven't got much time, so we, we, we just want to um, speak to you a little bit about the title race. I mean, it seems like everyone that we have on the podcast is excited uh, this season. They're, they're enjoying that uh, Dortmund are top, that uh, Bayern are trailing. Um, do you see Dortmund being able to hold on and win the title this year? I, I was on American radio at the start of the season and I kind of said I'd eat my hat if Bayern Munich didn't win the title and then as Ooh. the... the oh, you should stream it, that. I hope you do stream it. If you yeah, do as, as, as the Hinrunda went on, I, uh, I, I started wondering what kind of condiments I could use to put together with my hat. But uh, I, um, I, I think I'm going to still stick to my guns. I think Bayern have been playing well to end the year. They played very well and they played well on Friday night. They, Although perhaps a game or two halves, and I know you'll describe it later, but I think the fact that they they held on and they got the the kind of late goal to really secure the win, it shows the confidence maybe that the players now have in Nico Kovac that wasn't there before. And I think Borussia Dortmund, if they have a few more injuries, they have a few at the moment, but if they have injuries to key players, I think they could they could kind of suffer. They don't have the, maybe the same depth that Bayern do, so I. I'd still backfire at this stage, even though there is that gap there at the moment. I, I think it'll be go, go down to the wire and to be the most entertaining title race in years, but I'm still back in Byron for the title. Yeah, we're certainly enjoying it, aren't we? It's, it's refreshing, if, if anything, but uh, they're definitely keeping the pressure on after that blip earlier in the season. Um, Ronald, we know that you haven't got much time. Is there anything that you would like to promote or where can people find your stuff? online i know gold.com but what's maybe like your your twitter handle there yeah my twitter handle is at swear not paul which is actually comes from a music blog i used to run back in the day and if you want a longer explanation of why that's the name i can give it to you on twitter but it, it'd probably be too long to go into it and too maybe too boring for some of the listeners to go into at the moment but that's where you can find me and uh, i usually post and transfer rumors and stuff like that as well as links to whatever Bundesliga article I've written at the moment. My latest one was on how Callum Hudson Adoyal fit in at Bayern Munich. So that has wound up some Chelsea fans. So that's always good. <laughs> I think in the world of Twitter, um, as everyone knows, it's very easy to wind up, uh, especially football fans. But Ronan, we really appreciate you coming on. If you're not following him, start to follow him. And also, I'm really quite intrigued by that Twitter handle. I'll probably tweet later. But anyway, uh, Ronan, we'll let you go. And thank you very much for coming on. And we'll hopefully have you on again in the near future. Thanks very much, fellas. Cheers, Ronan. Thanks a lot. Cheers, Ronan. Thanks. So, guys, I suppose we better get to it and talk about the games at the weekend. We did uh, mention while Ronan was on there that um, Bayern Munich are keeping up. They may still be six points behind, but... um, they're keeping the pressure on Borussia Dortmund. And it was the Friday night game, the first game back the second half of the season uh, as they managed to, well, blow away Hoffenheim, especially in that first half with a with final score of 3-1. Uh, Manu, uh, this was quite the statement, wasn't it? It would have been easy to um, 
drop a few points against uh, Hoffenheim. And Nagelsmann is always a, a tricky coach to come up against. Yeah, he is, especially for Bayern. Um, Julian Nagelsmann going into this game has not lost a home game against Bayern. In fact, he's won the last two. So this, this was, I mean, this was a challenge and like the opening of the season, another game that Bayern won. Um, I thought that Hoffenheim actually really did challenge, um, Bayern, especially in the second 45 minutes. I know Chris and I, we were joking offline saying, well, this could end 4-0. And then Hoffenheim got a goal back. And I felt for the last 20 minutes or so, this game could have gone either way. I mean, and in some ways, Bayern could have dropped still two points, even though they were up 2-0. And they, they had a few wobbles like this already this season where they were up by two goals and still dropped points, something that we not seen from them in the six years prior, right? So um for them to get that done, to get that job done, to score that, and, and, and you know it's not the, technically not the game winner, but Lovell Lewandowski put the game to bed, didn't he, when he scored the third. I think that was that was quite important, um, and it really put the pressure up on on Borussia Dortmund. So, that basically what I took away from this game is um, Bayern had a big ask. The first forty-five minutes they were immensely impressive, very good football, probably the best half under Niko Kovac. The second half, you saw all the weaknesses of that side. Whenever Hoffenheim stretched them and played the ball quickly forward you almost had the feeling that they were really vulnerable. And I think that is something, I mean, Chris, that's something that we discussed quite a bit, right? So um, I'm curious to hear your takes on all of this, but that's something that I really took away from this match. Yeah, the, the first 45 minutes, Bayern were exceptional. Um, very, very fast. Very, very well played. Um, I, I did think it was, like you said, one of the best performances um, that they put on uh, this season. I thought Kimmich was exceptional. Um, Alaba was was brilliant. Um, Kingsley Coman was a revelation. I, I did think that that first half they were they were exceptional. If we're going to be really really um, finicky and going to pull out a a disappointment, I thought they should have probably gone in maybe two, three, maybe even four goals up. That's how good they were. Um, and on the second half, I do think they looked very susceptible. They were susceptible to fast break um, and they were susceptible to to balls that, that were very quickly switched so if you're breaking down the right it switched over to the left very quickly and I think that's because they didn't really have the speed in, in the midfield area to deal with that and whilst I like Leon Goretzka a lot I do think he negates his defensive duties a bit but how they were good the first half um, and they weren't so good the second half. But for me, and, and I put this in my thoughts on football stuff, I do seriously think that is a Julian Nagelsmann problem. And we've seen this before. I've seen it firsthand in the flesh. And I spoke to him about it afterwards. And if we think all the way back to the um, Champions League um, playoff qualifier against Liverpool, he went with the wrong formation and they were crucified by Liverpool in, inside of 10 minutes. Once he made um, the substitution, and I think correctly that night, that um, I think he brought on, I think it was Kramerich, and, and that changed the game. For me, Nagelsmann is a really good coach, but so often he sets up the wrong side. And, Manu, we saw this in the Champions League this year, this season. 
he sets up a side and, and they go one or two down and he's got to rectify it. Now, he's very good at rectifying it. But as I put in, in my thoughts, when does the ability to rectify something and make you a good tactical genius, when does that actually become poor foresight? And has Julian Nagelsmann not really learnt his lesson? Because, yes, he's, he, he nearly rescued the game there and Hoffenheim should have um, should have been drawing at some point. Um you know, they should have uh, they should have drew that game with the chances they had in the second half and and the openings they created for themselves. But when does this poor foresight become a problem? Because for me, if he goes to um, Leipzig and starts to do this, I think Ralph Ragnick will want to have a chat with him quite quickly. No, oh, uh, yeah, absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, this is how they threw away the Champions League group, um, and I mean that quite harshly. That's how they did it, Rick. Because it happened against the uh, Schachter and it happened against Olympic Marseille, uh, Olympic Lyon twice, right? Um, even against Man City in, he always, almost seems reactionary. And, uh, I think going into this game, you, we all know what Bayern's weaknesses are, right? And when you compare Nagelsmann, the way he coached the game against Bayern and the way Lucien Favre coached the Bayern, uh, Dortmund kept the first half really tight. They said, okay, like, even if we're down a goal, that's fine. We're going to keep the score tight because we know that this Bayern side will run out of steam around the 50, 60 minute mark, which is exactly what happened in this game as well. Right. So I think he almost, he almost tinkers too much. Right. He almost overthinks it. And then when he sees the game, take place in front of his eyes, he's like, okay, well, this is what I actually should be doing, even though the evidence going from prior matches has already been there for him. So I, I think maybe that's something that he has to look at in his, when he develops as, a, as he develops as a coach, because we have to remember he's only 31. Um, he's younger than anyone on this podcast. So in, in that regard, maybe this is a learning process and maybe that is where someone like Ralph Rangnick Although he's a tinkerer himself, so I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out. I, I think we're going to have many podcasts discussing the relationship between Nagelsmann and Rangnick next year. But I, th I think that maybe with his experience, he can just sort of say, don't second guess yourself. Because for me, this screams second guessing. If he, if he comes up with a tactic in the second half that works, he probably already had that tactic in his sleeve. He just didn't go with it. So. I, I I think that Hoffenheim in some ways potentially dropped points here because they their tactical approach in the first half didn't work. Um and maybe a more defensive approach in the first half. Because they were stretched really badly. Uh I, I mean, Chris, you're right. That should have been four goals um in the first half alone for Bayern. And in the second half, they were all of a sudden they were compact, they were really quick in the transition game, they were excellent whenever they did win the ball on their own third to, to quickly break forward and use the lack of pace that someone like Hummels has, for example, or the fact that Goretzka was playing almost as a number 10 and that space in midfield. Um, Thiago, for example, when he was, uh, taking off, <laughs> I messaged you and said, well, I didn't realize he was even on, right? So they didn't even use that space in midfield. And I think that's the, if you're a Hoffenheim fan, I would find that all a little bit disappointing. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. 
Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Well, that's it. That was uh, Julian Nagelsmann, uh, 31, and that was his 100th uh, game in charge. So he's, he's he's still got plenty to learn, especially at that young age. Uh, if we go back to Byron, though, uh, Chris, there... They're trying their best, aren't they, to, to make up that ground on Borussia Dortmund. They obviously need Borussia Dortmund to drop some points, being six points behind them, but six games, one in a row. They haven't lost a, I, I think now in seven or, or eight, maybe. Um, they, they really are doing all they can, aren't they? And do you think uh, Borussia Dortmund will possibly feel that pressure? Yeah, I do, because you look at Bayern now and you look at them three months ago and they are a completely different side. Not only are they playing together as a unit, um, Kovac looks happy. If you look at the senior players, they look happy. Hummels, uh, you know, he's, he's not made any strange um, press statements lately, so that's good. Um, Muller looks very happy. Uh, Lewandowski up front looks very happy. All the, the main players that they've got um, seem to be very, very happy. I know... Um, I know some of the older guys like Frank, uh, Frank Ribery had a little bit of a fine because of some of the stuff he got up to in the in the winter break. But you you can only assume that he's he's a happy guy himself. But it, that's what it looks like at the moment. Bayern look a completely different animal off the pitch, which is allowing them to play a lot better on the pitch. Now you're always going to get a, a transitional period with a new manager. Um, it's just unfortunate for Niko Kovac that he went to the biggest side in Germany, one of European um, elite sides. So he had to do his development in a very public arena. Um, and had he been somewhere else, um, let's say he'd moved to, I know he moved from Frankfurt, but if he'd moved to a club of a similar stature as Frankfurt, uh, he would have he would have done that development out more of the public eye and he would have been able to get on with it. Now I think Kovac knows what his best side is. I don't think he knew that three months ago. I think he knows his best tactics. I don't think he knew that three months ago. And this is why I was seeing... Um, buy and play so well and and yeah I think now we'll have a real title fight and if Dortmund um, if Dortmund do slip up and we saw them slip up against Ford, uh, you know, Dusseldorf they came straight back out and beat Borussia Mönchengladbach now if they slip up in the next couple of weeks what's their answer going to be because they've got a different buying animal behind them now and uh, whilst I would like to see Dortmund win the league um, you know because of my own um, loyalties and in inverted commas there um it wouldn't surprise me now to see Bayern really start to attack and come back because they look like the Bayern Munich that I've certainly known and have watched. Maybe not as, as good as they were under Pep Guardiola, but they're certainly the best that they've been in a while. I think this team now is playing better than they did under Carlo Ancelotti. It's probably playing similar under um, the way they did under Jupp Heynckes and to, for Nico Kovacs to get that sort of performance level out of, of the team, then that's only good for Bayern and yeah, I do think we have a real title fight on our hands now, Bryce. Yes, it's, well, it's it's the exciting close title fight that we may have hoped for in the last few seasons. And Manu, I suppose I want to hear your opinion on that as well. Like, do you think that Dortmund are not just feeling the pressure, but do you think they'll be able to withstand this kind of pressure throughout the rest of the season? And then if we look at the games uh, moving forwards, uh, I mean, Dortmund have, Frankfurt's um, in not the next game, uh, but the following one. And, and that's where it gets difficult for them. But then Bayern Munich have Leverkusen, who are no walkovers either. So 
an easier game followed by a tough one, and it might be just when they come up against teams like that who can actually withstand playing the bigger, tougher opponents and gets through that, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. I think that already this weekend, um, both teams had very strong opposition. Um, typical kind of stumbling blocks in, in Hoffenheim and in Leipzig. And Dortmund's answer, I think, was a good one against Leipzig because they were playing, um, they had some severe in problems. And as Ronan was alluding to earlier in this podcast uh, with injuries, right? Marco Royce missing out this game. And it's always a big worry when Marco Royce is not in the side. He is, um, in my opinion, a world-class player when fit. And he is um, a player with the biggest impact of, of any players in the Bundesliga. And the, the impact that he has on this Dortmund side is, is huge. It can, it cannot be underestimated by any means. Um, and then the fact that they had to put Weigel into center back. And I thought Weigel was really, really good in this game. He, he's growing into this role as playing as a center back. He was really excellent against Gladbach as well before the winter break. Um, and then the fact that other players, Witzel, I mean, the way he hammered home that, that ball to, to ultimately win the game for Dortmund and the fact that in the last 10, 15 minutes that Leipzig had chances, Roman Berkey really stood up and really became a big factor in this game. And I think, um, those, those, all of these things combined, they went into this game understaffed without their biggest star against a team in Leipzig that has never lost, um, at the start of the Rückrunde. And they got the three points. Um, I mean, going by the fact that Bayern put a lot of pressure on them and all these other factors mentioned, that's a big response. Um, that's a statement of intent. And I think they have to really follow up that statement of intent because next weekend they're playing Hannover, uh, a team that's really, really struggling at the bottom of the table, a must three pointer. The last time they had a must three pointer was against Düsseldorf. They stumbled there. So I, I really hope that they're going to be able to get those three points. And then Bayern, of course, have Stuttgart on, on Sunday. Um, <laughs> the way Stuttgart have been playing, it's another must win. So it's, it's going to be interesting because it's kind of like a tit for tat right now, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. It leaves it entertaining, you know. I feel that, so, Chris, we need to go back to you and speak a little bit about Borussia Dortmund and that, um, well, that reply really with Axel Witzel scoring early on against RB Leipzig in the late kickoff on Saturday. It's, a, it's exactly the type of result that uh, Favre would have wanted with uh, Bayern Munich keeping the pressure on them. Uh, funnily enough, the uh, first time that RB Leipzig in the Bundesliga have ever lost the first game of the second half of the season. Uh, but, I mean, the, they were in it. They were pushing and they were trying. They just weren't very clinical. So, um, as Manu said, a, another great result. Yeah, it was. And um, I spoke with um, Derek Ray on Twitter after this because he, he did the commentary for it for the World Feed. This was one of the best 1-0 games I've seen in a long time. If you just would have um, flicked onto the internet or, I nearly said Teletext Empire, showed me age. If you'd have flicked onto the internet uh, and, and just seen, oh yeah, Dortmund beat Leipzig 1-0 and the goal was scored in the 19th minute, you'd think that maybe was a bit of a, a dull game. It wasn't. It was completely the opposite. On another night, this could be... Well, it could have been 3-3, could have been 4-4. Um, Paco Alcacer was denied a goal by, what, 3-4 centimetres? You look at the uh, goal um, detection um, system, 
goal line detection system that you know it was half the ball was over the line already so he was millimeters away or centimeters away from from adding a goal um managed quite right to highlight um julian weigel i missed him out in my um three thoughts and and realistically or reflectively that was a bad thing to do because playing at center back is excellent he had a, a bad game against Bayern, and and he's really come back from that now um but yeah if we're going to talk about winning the league sometimes you need a little bit of luck and um i'm not going to say it was a lucky win by Dortmund because you know the goal they scored was exceptional and they did play very very well they created chances of their own but um, Roman Berkey was exceptional like Manu said you know um, those 12 chances in total five were denied by Roman Berkey Leipzig then you know fluffed the other seven two of them were blocked five were pulled um, high or wide um, Sabitzer really should have nailed that one-on-one um, and he didn't. It was a good save by Berkey. But if you've got a goalkeeper advancing at you and you've got enough time to pick your spot, I mean, if that would have been Alcacer or even Werner in that case, I think Werner bends the ball around um, Berkey and it hits the back of the net. So I think you do need a little bit of luck. And, and there was a challenge from Berkey on Werner that um, that looked like a foul to me um, in real time. And it certainly looked like a foul in slow time. And Surprised VAR didn't didn't get it because if we're going to go for clear and obvious errors, that looked a pretty clear and obvious error for me. So Dortmund did win and they deserved the win, but they had just a little bit of luck. And if we're going to talk about winning a title, you need a little bit of luck. Uh, yes, you do. That's that's a well-known fact and well put, uh, Chris. Um, Manu, do, do we know when Marco Royce is possibly going to be back? with the sides and I suppose then if we're talking about players that were on the field I mean Vitzel and Berkey were you know, as, as Chris was uh, pointing towards were, were very impressive once again by Vitzel actually Yeah so um, two statements on, on Royce Michael Zorc the sporting director of Borussia Dortmund said he'd be back likely against Hannover and definitely against Frankfurt um, so Maybe a week, maybe two. And Marco Reus said today, um, he'll be back against Hannover. So I could see them maybe resting him against Hannover to give him that extra week because again, I mean, they won this week. They did quite well. Um, and Hannover is not going to be quite as challenging as Leipzig. Um, on the other hand, um, do you want to do a Dusseldorf, right? And, uh, drop three points against the team. That you definitely need to beat. So, but yeah, the word is, the word is, um, a week most two, um, which is good news for Borussia Dortmund. Yes, indeed. Definitely a good news for them. Um, I suppose let's uh, look further down the table and some of the other, uh, teams that, that played. Um, well, Manu, how about we, um, I know that there's plenty of teams to talk about in between, but, I feel we need to uh, talk a little bit about your favourite side in Augsburg. Uh, another loss. Um, things aren't looking very good down in 15th for them, is it? Yeah, we don't often talk about Augsburg, do we? Um, you, you, you're not a big fan of doing so. No, no, that's not the reason. No, I, I mean, mean, I mean la- last year I thought they did pretty well and I wanted yeah. to do a special on them, but... I, I was shocked on. I don't. I don't remember any of this. No, funny that. <laughs> well, no, come on. Let, let's talk a little bit about Osborne. I mean, the, 
there are teams that are obviously struggling quite a bit um, yeah. down the, the opposite end of the table, and they're definitely one of them. They, they would have been expected to, to do a bit better this season, but down 15 points, 15 positions, you know, it, it's not looking good for them. They're really in, in the thick of it. Yeah, I, although, you know, it is funny, and before you accuse me of bias, Augsburg is one of those sites that you're always going to expect to be down there. They just happen to be very good at overperforming, and that is because they they did a very good job there over many, many years, right? Um, at some point, the finances do catch up with you, and you're going to struggle, and I think this is going to be a year where they're going to be in that relegation dogfight um, to the very end, and I mean, there is, there's good reasons for that. First of all, um, you have sites like Freiburg. Freiburg, once again, you know, they, they are able to just pull themselves out a little bit, um, out of that bottom half, um, just because they are able to, to get points against some of the bigger teams. Um, Augsburg have not been able to do that this year. Um, then you have the fact, and this is, this is a team that we should be talking about, Fortuna Düsseldorf, right? Um, that have done very well, uh, much better than many expected. They, they are on 21 points now. They are s- seven points away from that promotion relegation playoff spot. I don't think anyone expected that at this stage. I certainly didn't expect that because I, I saw Düsseldorf live in Nuremberg, um, in October and Nuremberg won that game 3 0. And I, I would have thought that maybe Nuremberg would be that side that, that would be out of that relegation dogfight rather than Düsseldorf. But Düsseldorf have really pulled it together. They've, they collected four points against Bayern and Dortmund. That's, that's not a small feat. Um, so that's one of the reasons why, you know, if, if there's certain teams that you expect down there to overperform, then someone else has to be down there that you don't necessarily expect. I mean, one of those sides is certainly Stuttgart. And another one is Augsburg. Um, I mean, Augsburg, if they, if things don't go right for them, then they, they will be one of those teams fighting relegation for the entire season. So I, I think, I think this year is just, it's just one of those, for those factors. And then of course they lost some key players. Marvin Hitz playing now being the second keeper at Dortmund rather than being the number one in Augsburg. That's a, that's a big factor. Um, for example. Chris, I mean, if, if we go to you and speak to someone that's, um, well, I don't know whether you like Augsburg any more than, than Manu does, but I would imagine most people probably do, even if they don't support them. I mean, do, do you see, um, do you see them possibly going down this year? I mean, you know, it, it is a tricky one for them, but have they not got enough about them to stay up? Oh, um, I, I can, I think it's going to be, someone's going to be hard pressed to, um, take over from Nuremberg and Hanover. I think pretty much like last season um, with um, Hamburg and um, Cologne, those two sides have, have done that badly that we can probably see that those are going to be the, the sides. So 18th and 17th now, um, Hanover and, and Nuremberg, or sorry, 17th and 18th, Hanover and Nuremberg. I think they will probably fight it out between themselves to see who finishes bottom. Um, I can't really see them making up the gap. I know it's only three points, but when you can't buy a win, a love the money, and that three points might well be ten. So it's going to come down from Stuttgart or Augsburg, uh, who's going to go into that dreaded playoff place. The gap to Fortuna now, and Fortuna have been excellent, um, and I think that coincides with the arrival of their new um, sporting director, who um, who we all know very well, um, and I think he's been exceptional. Maybe just his presence around the a ground has helped um, Fortuna Dusseldorf. So. I'm 
and maybe thinking, come this May, um, it's going to be Stuttgart where we're going. I mean, Augsburg, uh, hot and cold, week in, week out. And as Manu's already said, they are, you know, if we're going to look at the, the Bundesliga and, the, and Bundesliga 2 as two pretty much decent leagues, and we've said before in this podcast that, you know, they are the top 36 teams in Germany. And there's probably 20 teams, maybe even 25 teams who could who could all compete in the top league. And I think Augsburg are one of those um, teams that can transition between the two quite easily. Um, if they go down, do they come back up? That's probably a question for another podcast. But at the moment, um, the way the way Stuttgart are playing, I think Augsburg might just miss out on that 16th place, but it's going to be very, very close. Um, I do think it's between 15th and 16th now, Augsburg and Stuttgart are just going to be playing the rest of that season um, to see who goes into relegation um, 2019 playoff. Yeah, but you do feel sort of with Stuttgart, with all the money and the finances that they have, that at sooner or later they will have to kick it on. I mean, the talent level is is there. And you look at that squad um, and the, the kind of signings that they're making, that they are the more likely to to sort this out, right? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. But I mean, if we just look back to last season, mm. really, um, both Ham, um, both Ham, uh, Hamburg and Cologne shouldn't have gone down because of the talent they had in, and, and you know, unfortunately yeah. for them, they, they still did. Um, but I mean, we could be looking. Everything can change inside of two match days um, between fifteenth and sixteenth. You know, there could be a bigger gap than one point, and we might find that you know, in, in two or three games' time, Stuttgart have pulled away. And maybe I've got themselves a little bit of a cushion, but um, I think the rest of the season is going to be fighting it out. This might be a last day job. Who's going to get into that 16th place come the you know the very last match day? You know that that game against Bayern for Stuttgart. Um, I feel like if they get trashed five six nil, that that could really define the rest of the season for them. Oh yeah, I mean we've seen it before, haven't we? Teams yeah. that aren't playing particularly well, all of a sudden, you know, they they ship five, six goals, and and that just dips your confidence, and it also gives your rivals a little bit of um, a little bit of a uh, a boy up, a little bit of a g up. It's like, oh yes, they've just been smashed, and they've just been smashed five 0 Let's go out now, and and you know, even if they get a point in the next game and a point in the game after that, that's still a point more and. I think we are going to get down to fine margins. So if Augsburg can just nick a point off Stuttgart or if Stuttgart can just nick a point off Augsburg, you know, when they're playing, if they can better their result by one point mm. every time, um, I think we could end up seeing a, a bit of a, a gap emerging. But I mean, those bottom four, it's three out of those four for me. Yeah, I would go along with that. Uh, Manu, to speak about um, you know, the teams down in the positions down there is, is there any talk of any managerial changes or coaching head coaching changes, uh, especially the likes of, for example, you know David Wagner maybe floating around and being available now? Yes, he said he needs some time off, but if the right project was to come his way, maybe maybe he'd be swayed. Yeah, the only one I could see would be Stuttgart Price. Um, Hannover kicker leaned themselves very far out of the window and saying that Brighton night I would get fired. Um, Ultimately, Kirch, the president, said today that 
that is not the case. He will be uh, in charge against uh, Borussia Dortmund. So um, no new manager bounce for Hannover against Borussia Dortmund. I, that's, I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. I guess we'll find out. But for me, um, I mean, just like Stuttgart are having an, an, an almost a mission impossible at the Allianz, Hannover have a mission impossible at the Signal Iduna Park next weekend and could see them. I could see that game. You know, especially if Royce comes back to be talking about a 5-0 or 6-0. Can't see Breitenreiter to stay, but I can't see Wagner taking that job. I mean, it's, it, they don't have any money. There's no resources. Um, they look, they, their striker solution was to reactivate a Brazilian named Jonathan, who they sent out on loan to Corinthians. And Corinthians were the ones that, um, ended the loan agreement early because he only scored one goal in nine games over in Brazil. That's the kind of situation you would walk into. I, I don't, I can't see it. I can't see David Wagner to go in. Um, Kicker said Mirko Slomka, Gistol are the candidates. Um, that seems more, more fitting to the situation, I guess. But yeah, I, I would keep an eye on Hannover. And I mean, Stuttgart is always good for a coaching change. Um, you know, they do one at least a season, sometimes two. So keep an eye on that. I think what we need to, Maybe bear in mind with David Wagner is he's he has left by mutual consent um, and he's walked out uh, because he wants a break. So it wouldn't surprise me as part of his severance package, as in yes, okay, you can go because you need a break and thanks for everything you've done. Is if there's some sort of clause in there with Huddersfield to say that he can't go into a job before next season because it would be very odd for a manager to say, look, I need a break and and three, four weeks later, you know, take a new managerial job again. And let's not forget that he's got out of a contract um, with Huddersfield. And I, I do I do believe that Huddersfield will have, will have put something in to his severance package to say, OK, happy. If you want to walk away and you need a break, that's great. But when you sign here, you're not allowed to manage another club for six months. Yeah, and it's not exactly a break, a take over a team like Hannover. I mean... He left because he was felt the pressure of a relegation battle. So why would he then take on a Mission Impossible like Hannover? I just can't see it. Well, what did seem like a Mission Impossible, uh, Chris, was uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf. We didn't expect them to, you know, to to maybe go on the winning spree that they have. I mean, that's four games they've won in a row, twenty-one points. They've they've really pulled things around. I mean, before those twelve points, you know, in those last four games, you know that that. Was it them on nine? So, um, uh, do you see them continuing on this upward trajectory and and, and being saved? We, we kind of mentioned that four teams at the bottom are going to battle it out, but would you say that Fortuna are probably good enough to stay away from it? Well, they've got a big test next, haven't they? They're playing Leipzig, although they're playing um, Leipzig at home. Um, and then Fortuna have got to go away to Hoffenheim, so there's two very hard back-to-back fixtures and, and then and then they've got themselves maybe a little easier fixture um, against Stuttgart at home and then they've got to go to Bayer Leverkusen so the next four games um, maybe it's going to be a bit of a hard ask for them to pick up say maybe more than four points is going to be really hard ask for them I genuinely can see Leipzig bouncing back um, straight away um, and then Hoffenheim were very unlucky Against Bayern and they're playing Hoffenheim at home in the in the new Pro Zero um, stadium, renamed stadium. So I, I mean, now the next four games, I'm going to put my neck on the line here and say they're only going to get four points. So four points out of four games, 
and that cushion could soon disappear. Yeah, exactly. The, 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 I mean, there's that six points, but that can change and rather quickly in football life. But um, Manu, big wins uh, for the likes of uh, Mainz uh, and Schalke as well um, over the weekend. Obviously, things haven't went to plan for Schalke either, but they're looking a little bit more comfortable now. I think they've steadied the ship somewhat. Yeah, they had to. Um, I thought it was interesting that Tedesco decided to um, bench Fairman and play Nubel um, instead. Nubel is a very, very talented coach and a, a, a goalkeeper, and it worked for them. They got the, the three points against Wolfsburg, against an excellent Wolfsburg side this year. Um, and there have been some talks that um, Christian Heidel, the sporting director, is under fire, that he could be seen the the door. Um, together with Tedesco, if things don't turn around quickly. So that's a massive three points for them. And um, Mainz, I mean, they were excellent in that first half. Uh, I think we talk about so many different clubs all the time, bigger clubs as well. But they've really gone out and brought in a bunch of young players, rent out to revitalize this football club, play a different kind of football the sort of Carnivalsverein football that they've been known for for so many years, and I, I think that's really paying off for them. And I, I think it's actually it's actually fun again to watch Mines. So good for them. Twenty four points now. They they're looking good. You know, forty points is enough when you stay in the league. They're not far away from that. They're essentially just five wins away from from um, security from say to safety, which is always the number one thing that you want to do as a club like Mines, right? So. And they're doing it by playing good football. So I think that's a really fantastic thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things are looking somewhat more positive for them. I suppose in the next few weeks, we'll see who um, really is in trouble down there. And and I suppose the the title race, we'll just see um, whether Borussia Dortmund do have the, um, well, I don't know, have the, the steel to go all the way. But um, that more or less does it for today we've uh, we've appreciated everyone tuning in to listen and we've appreciated uh, having Ronan on but um, guys with the Bundesliga back I'm sure you're as busy as ever but Chris what have you got to possibly uh, point people in the direction of um, well obviously if you've got any interest in Timo Werner Bayern Munich Liverpool or just what's going to happen next for him you can find um, the article I wrote on uh, pushballstart.com um, and then for me, it's just going to be either on the whistle reports or, or thoughts in the aftermath um, from the weekend's games that are coming up. Nicely done. Busy as always. And yes, I can only recommend that you check out that um, fantastic uh, uh, article uh, from Chris on Timo Werner. Um, Manu, what have you got going on across the uh, Football Grads Network? Yeah, just... Um... The, the previews are going to be out. Uh, we're going to, of course, preview the Bayern and the Dortmund game. And then always a third. Um, so, um, yet to be decided. It's going to be a surprise, I guess. And, um, yeah, feature articles, um, reactionary to transfers. There's a few transfer stories still developing across the league and we're going to keep an eye on them. So that will be all, um, tweeted out at Football Grad Live. Uh, you can follow me at Manuel Wefi. Write for a couple other outlets as well, including Forbes um, on the Bundesliga. So um, you can find me at Manuel Weff. I think we should probably say congratulations to um, Kevin Prince Boateng, once yeah. of Eintracht Frankfurt, now of FC Barcelona. Which, um, as I said to you guys in the in a private chat, if I was a footballer, I would be kicking down his agent's door to get me on their books. Uh, has this been confirmed now? Yeah, it's confirmed. I, I, I just can't believe it. 
I mean, fair play to him. And he, and he he's a player of some talent, but why has that happened? <laughs> I mean, he, well, I mean, he was pretty good at, at Frankfurt, and he you do know what you're going to get from him. I was just surprised that he, he went to Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, well, fair play to the agent, fair play to the player. And um, that more or less does it until uh, next week. Um, hopefully you've all enjoyed the Bundesliga returning and the Gag and Present podcast uh, returning um, properly. Um, guys, I suppose if you need any more football in the meantime, as Manu said, go over to at Football Grad Live on Twitter. But feel free to get in touch with any of us um, regarding topics you'd like to maybe hear discussed, um, especially those on Osberg. Trying to squeeze that in. Anyway, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at BryceDunn11. Until next week, I'll feed us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's sein Rhythmus. Als gäbe sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.